In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Rhett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, there are certain principles like timing, leverage, and positioning that practitioners must master to successfully overcome an opponent. My guest has found that these same principles that allow someone to be successful on the mat also apply to being successful off of it. Henry Gracie is the co-owner and head instructor of Gracie University and the author of The 32 Principles, Harnessing the Power of Jiu-Jitsu to Succeed in Business, Relationships, and Life. Today on the show, Hinner shares how he's used some of the core teachings of jiu-jitsu, like the Pyramid Principle and the River Principle, in his business, and how he can use them to grapple with all kinds of obstacles in life. After the show's over, check out our show notes at aom.is slash bjjprinciples. All right, Hinner Gracie, welcome back to the show. What a pleasure, bro. How long has it been? I think the last one was 2018, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that was the podcast, right? But then we did those awesome videos like over 10 years ago now, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. That uh, that's a that's a blast from the past. Our audience who's followed us on YouTube, they they probably are aware of your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu videos we did with you. Yeah, in fact, uh those were probably like for people getting into jujitsu, the number of people that have met me and cited those videos as the videos that they watched that got them to step foot on the mat. Like literally it never stops happening and it never ceases to amaze me that, yo, I saw the Art of Manliness introductory video you did to Brazilian jujitsu, got me excited. I want to do jujitsu now. Now I've been training at some school out in the middle of nowhere. It's just amazing to see how, how long lasting that video has been and still remains timeless as a, just a genuine introduction to jujitsu. So thanks to you and the team for putting that together. And we've benefited greatly from that. So thanks a lot. Well, thank you for being a part of those videos because uh, we benefited a lot from those videos as well. Well, so you are the co-founder and CEO of Gracie University. It's a global Brazilian jiu-jitsu organization that teaches students both in person and online. And like I said, you're, people are, I'm sure, aware of you and your family and your legacy with uh, BJJ. But for those who aren't familiar with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, how does it differ from other martial arts, say like karate or judo? Sure. Joe Rogan said it best. Jiu-jitsu is the first martial art that delivers what it promises. And what that really means is every martial art claims to give the little person the chance to defeat and defend against a larger attacker. That's the only reason we learn martial arts, right? To defend ourselves against a larger, more athletic physical threat. And jiu-jitsu for the last hundred years, right? Really this thing started in 1925. So we're near, nearing a hundred years here has proven time and time again that a smaller person equipped with jiu-jitsu can defend against and can overcome a larger adversary who doesn't know jiu-jitsu. It's that simple. And it was proven in Brazil in the early 1900s. My father brought the art to America uh, as, as, a, as a first, um, you know, the oldest son of nine siblings of my grandfather, the grandmaster. When my father brought it to America, he started teaching out of his garage. Every person he met, he invited for a free class. Every one of those friends that came for a free class told their friends who told their friends. And the thing blew up here in a garage in Hermosa Beach, California. In 1993, my father co-created the UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship, with the simple objective of putting all the different martial arts on display on pay-per-view television so that spectators around the world could see what really works and what doesn't work when it comes to a real fight. My uncle, Hoist Gracie, was chosen as the family representative in UFC 1, and was intentionally much smaller than all the other participants in the tournament, the fighting tournament. It was an eight-man tournament. You had to win three fights in the same night in order to win the championship. And there was no weight classes, no time limits, and essentially no rules in terms of what you could do in the octagon. There was no gloves even. People didn't have to wear gloves like they do today in mixed martial arts. So when my uncle Hoist went in there as the smallest person and defeated these giants in UFC 1, 2, and then again in UFC 4, the world was put on notice. All of a sudden they go, wow, 
this is crazy. This little guy who looks like he's going to get pummeled is defending himself and overcoming these giants with these beautiful nonviolent techniques of jujitsu. So basically, it was a big infomercial for jujitsu, and it was successful. At that point, the whole world is realizing if they're going to learn anything, you might as well learn what the little guy is doing because that's going to give you the best chance of success in a violent physical altercation against someone who outweighs you or is stronger or younger or more athletic, you know, faster, better endurance. All of those physical traits can be overcome with the right amount of technique. And the crazy part, Brett, it doesn't take that long. We're talking months not years and years and years and years to learn a level of skill that will help you stay safe against a larger opponent in a real fight. So that's jujitsu. It's been an amazing family to be born into. I've been learning this stuff from day one. I didn't have a choice in this family. You're born on the mat, basically. Um, growing up, started teaching as a 13-year-old child. So I had my first private class student as a child. His name was Robert Mendoza Jr., five-year-old kid who was getting bullied. And I started teaching Robert, you know, $10 for a class, and before you know it, I'm leading kids' classes. Then I'm teaching adults by 16, 17. By 18, I'm in North Carolina teaching the special forces with my dad, like leading the class with my father, teaching these guys of the highest military operatives. And, um, and that was just the beginning. And then before you know it, at 19 years old, my brother and I, my brother was 20, 21, I was 19. We were thrust into leadership roles when uh, my, my uncle Hoist branched off to do his own thing and left the school. So now we're running the Gracie Academy as essentially, you know, um, I was a teenager and we had leadership roles of head instructorship and, and really managing the entire operation of the school. And that started as a kid, basically. And now we're charged with growing this thing and figuring out how to run this business by our father. And we did just that. And here we are today. Fast forward, you know, what was that? 2002. So yeah, 20 years I've been running the show here. And now we're a global organization with, you know, 350,000 online students learning all over the world, 250 locations worldwide, teaching our proprietary programs, essentially licensed certified training centers. And we're the preeminent organization when it comes to teaching law enforcement in America, uh, jujitsu-based defensive tactics and nonviolent control tactics. So jujitsu is the craze right now, kind of circling back to where I started with this long-winded answer. Jujitsu is the craze right now for one reason. It actually works. And everyone who has a a good introduction to the art by a, by a well-qualified teacher falls head over heels in love with it because it teaches you to do things with your body that you never imagined were possible. Um, not in a strenuous, physical, demanding way, but in a resourcefulness way. You realize that your body is capable of so much more than you ever imagined when you teach it some technique, when you give it the proper leverage, the positioning, the timing, and of course, all the principles that jujitsu uh, entails. Well, speaking of principles, you got a new book out called The 32 Principles, Harnessing the Power of Jiu-Jitsu to Succeed in Business, Relationships, and Life. And in this, you lay out what you call the alphabet of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. When did you realize in all you know, the 20 years you've been doing this that Jiu-Jitsu has this, these 32 principles of this alphabet? Sure. So, I mean, all my life, I've learned thousands of techniques in jujitsu. And to this day, we continue to invent new techniques, right? So it's literally an endless martial art in terms of the individual techniques to solve unique and specific problems in combat. But what has always been known to any lifelong practitioner of jujitsu is that even though there are thousands of techniques and they're always evolving, there are a set number of principles that make all of those techniques possible. You just kind of knew that there might be technique 1, 17, 36, and 47, but all of them have some common themes and principles that are utilized in those techniques. And even though we knew generally that there were some, you know, uh, timing, right? Energy efficiency, leverage, right? Control. These are some macro principles that are thrown around loosely in jujitsu as something that is constantly present and always happening. What we realized is that during COVID, in fact, when our school got shut down, right? So we have this huge brick and mortar jujitsu business and we are completely shut down for no in-person classes. So we did some Zoom classes, but we had a lot of free time during this period. That's when my brother and I decided to kind of dig in on the creation of a course in jujitsu, an instructional video course for jujitsu that would aim to extrapolate and identify the core principles, the micro principles that every technique in jujitsu relies on. So we went for it and we studied for several months and kind of extrapolating and going over several concepts and really identifying every move has different steps and different technique components, 
but all of them rely on the same 32 core principles. Once we realized and we've identified, we named them, we, we classified all of them, then we decided let's film a video course in which we teach these principles. If you're a beginner, this is helpful to know because from the get-go, you're learning how to think jujitsu rather than learning how to do jujitsu. If you're an advanced practitioner, this course would help you make sense of the thousands of techniques you've already learned and can often be so overwhelming, right? That simple, the sheer number of techniques that you've learned over the years, it's often overwhelming and, and, and discouraging to some extent for advanced practitioners. But once they understood the 32 principles, it would be a way of distilling their vast catalogs of techniques down to these 32 core principles. So you learn that essentially, if you forget a technique, but you still retain the principles that make that technique possible, then when the situation changes, you can still call on the principles, even when you forget the technique. That was the idea. And as we were doing the extrapolation process of identifying what these principles were, it made me realize as I was going over and recording these for jujitsu purposes only, the extent to which these same 32 principles were the ones that I had been leaning on, even though I had not named them and classified them and organized them into a curriculum, the principles themselves had always been there and I had been leaning on them, not just in jujitsu, but in every aspect of my life. So when I kind of replay my life's milestones, right? The most significant achievements, the biggest failures, the biggest lost opportunities, the biggest breakthroughs and entrepreneurial successes, family successes, family, you know, problems and challenges that I faced, I realized that my entire operating system as a human being, both personally and professionally, was based on these 32 principles that jujitsu had instilled in me over a lifelong practice of the art. Yeah, so you're doing jujitsu changed the way you think and approach the world. Well, think about this, Brett. Everyone has an operating system, right? You have an operating system and your operating system is a function of what? Your schooling, your experiences, your parenting, the way that you were parented, the way that you were brought up, the community that you were brought up in, all of your life's experiences shape the operating system that is you. And then whatever your operating system is will determine how you react and respond to different indicators, challenges, threats, opportunities, different stimuli in your life. All of those will be responded to based on the conditioning of your operating system, right? The computer is only as good as its operating system and as is true for a human being. And what jujitsu does for us, Brett, is every single day we step on the mat, jujitsu presents us with the most robust and the widest array of challenges, opportunities, struggles, adversities, obstacles that you can possibly imagine. So it's like doing jujitsu every single day teaches me how to face every challenge you can imagine in a fight. But the metaphorical connection between these obstacles and adversities that we face in a fight to the obstacles that we face in everyday life could not be any clearer, right? When people are faced with a high stress situation in life, they respond in panic. They respond with anxiety, uncertainty, if they're not conditioned to deal with high stress encounters in a more technical, proficient, and, and, and a strategic way. So in jujitsu, the line goes like this. If I can get caught in a headlock from a 200 pound man and not stress out and technically efficiently strategize my escape, make my escape happen, and then turn that liability into an opportunity if that's what my body and my brain are conditioned to do every single time I step on the mat, imagine how my brain is going to respond and how my operating system will perform when I'm at work and I've struggled with an interaction with a colleague or I get spoken to by my boss in a way that was less than favorable or I'm at home with my wife and we're struggling to, to come to an agreement on something that we should do as parents with regards to how we're parenting our child. All of these are just challenges. It's all about dealing with adversity, overcoming problems and adversity and obstacles in our life. 
So when you dive headfirst into the regular practice of jujitsu, you become these principles. You become this operating system that is so comfortable dealing with adversity and dealing with the struggles and challenges that are presented in a fight that when you apply those same ideologies into everyday life, everything just kind of is easy. Well, let's talk about some of these principles and how they have application beyond the mat. And the first principle we start off with is connection. What role does connection have in jujitsu? Well, thanks for asking. You know, the number one thing that I try to explain to people who are doing jujitsu for the first time is that your body is an incredible tool or weapon, however you want to do it, whatever connotation you want to give it. It's much more capable than anything you've ever imagined. It's like, imagine if you had a Swiss army knife, right? Which has 17 different utility applications on that little Swiss army knife. But all this time, Brett, you've only been using the knife. And then someone told you, Brett, there are 16 other tools on this little contraption that you can use to improve life, solve problems, and overcome challenges. You would say, holy cow, there's scissors, there's a magnifying glass, there's a toothpick, there's tweezers, there's a nail file. Oh my gosh, that you would lose your mind if you had been living 25, 30, 50 years thinking that a Swiss army knife was only a knife to only then find out that you were just barely scratching the surface. So in jujitsu, people use their bodies to connect to their adversary in ways that you would never imagine connecting to another person. So when you think of connecting, you think of grappling, you think of using your hands to grab, maybe your feet to push or kick. And that's about it, right? Maybe your arms to hug. But what you learn in jujitsu is every single surface on your body serves a distinct and uniquely effective purpose in the overall context of a fight. So when you talk about your foot, yes, there's just a foot, right? There's a sole of your foot that you would push with. When you do jujitsu, we have the bottom of the foot, the sole. We have the top of the foot, the instep. We have the ankle, the bend of the ankle, which is used for hooking. The instep is used for sliding. The toes are used for digging under someone. So I can flex my toes up and use them for digging. My heel is used for piercing. The Achilles behind my heel is used for hooking like a spur on a cowboy's boot. I can hook someone's body and connect to them that way. So just with my foot alone, you've learned five connections that you might not have otherwise known your foot was capable of if not for the practice of jujitsu. So what you learn through the practice of jujitsu is how to use your body in ways you never imagined possible. And then you, all you say to yourself after a little bit of practice, you go, wow, how crazy that I was operating all that time just with the knife. When in fact, my body was capable of all 17 applications that I never knew were possible. And it's a very enlightening, empowering, um, you know, experience for a human being to go through after so many years of thinking their body was capable of walking, running, jumping, and you know, dancing, that's what feet are for. That's it. No, that's just the beginning. There's so much more. So when I talk about the life and business application of this connection principle, what that translates to is really diversifying and constantly improving and increasing the tools and tactics that you're using to connect with the world, right? So as someone who's trying to share jujitsu with the world, when I injured my back at 19 years old, 18 years old, I had a back injury, lower back injury, a suffered a herniated disc during a training accident. Um, I was training much crazier back then. So the accident happened. And now I'm much more intelligent about how I train and how we teach our students. So this doesn't happen. But it happened then, had a surgery. I was out for 10 months. During that 10-month hiatus, I thought to myself, wow, what if I can never do jiu-jitsu again? What if I get hurt again when I'm 25, 27, 35, 39? What if I get to the point where I can't teach jiu-jitsu for the rest of my life? My tool, my body, I can't use it. How do I share this art with the world? That feeling of frustration and uncertainty led to the birth of Gracie University, an interactive online learning center in which we upload videos of every one of our unique programs so that anyone anywhere in the world could learn everything that we've learned, my brother and I, in order that would optimize retention and progress. So lesson one leads into lesson two. Lesson two builds on lesson one. Lesson three builds on one and two. It's the only linear interactive online learning center for martial arts in the world where every single lesson is built on every single previous lesson. And as a result, 
Students from all over the world are able to learn everything we've learned, everything we know in jujitsu linearly from their living rooms. So when we talk about connection, this was a situation where we enhanced the way that we're connecting with the students and we took it one step further. Some people complained that they didn't have a training partner in their garage. Their wife didn't want to do it with them or their husband or their son or parents. So they're on their own. So we created a new classification of training center called the Gracie Garage to pay homage to my father's days in the garage in the early 1970s and 80s. So a Gracie Garage, Brett, is a classification on Gracie University of someone who wants to make their home a unofficial at-home training center. So that basically they list themselves on the website and they say, hey, this is my home. And you know, if you're interested, please message me through the system here and let's talk. And if your vibe is right and my vibe vibes with yours, we're happy to invite you over to the house for a training session. And the number of friendships and connections that have been made amongst training partners all over the world, Brett, because of Gracie University online learning and because of this, in, uh, this garage classification of an unofficial at-home training center, thousands and thousands and thousands of networks have been made and connections have been made with each other, students with each other. And then it goes one step further. These students become so in love with jujitsu from home that they then grow their skills and develop to an effective enough, proficient enough level that they eventually aspire to become instructors. So they go, they come to Torrance here at headquarters in California, get certified, then they go home and what was a Gracie garage of, you know, 10 buddies training in the neighborhood becomes a certified training center at a commercial location where they're now running an actual business. And this has happened all over the world. People started learning online and they end up opening commercial for-profit schools. And now they run successful businesses with hundreds of students and they've quit their careers to now teach jujitsu full-time. All of this was because when I hurt my back at 19 years old, when I had my surgery and spent that 10 months off, I was able to think of the connection principle and really broaden the ways in which we were connecting with and sharing jujitsu with the world. So that's just one example of how this connection principle can really change your effectiveness, whether it's entrepreneurial, right? Or if it's personal, we talk about family dynamics, right? In terms of how you're connecting with your children or your spouse, are you connecting in ways that are meaningful for you only? Or are you going one step further and finding connecting ways that are meaningful for your family members so that those connections and that time together is even more meaningful and impactful for your family. So really connection is about, are you being creative in how you're connecting with the people and the world around you? Well, my daughter, Scout, she does jujitsu at Gracie Tulsa here. And the head guy- Robert Is that with Robert Davenport? Robert Davenport, yeah. Oh my gosh, bro. That's crazy because you haven't told me that she was training. I didn't know that. I know you were like intrigued with jujitsu because of all this art of manliness stuff you've done with us. But that's amazing. And you couldn't be in better hands. Robert is in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's a black belt. And crazy enough, he started in a Gracie garage of his own, learning online through our university, Gracie University Online, learning from home with a bunch of buddies. They eventually became certified instructors. They opened their school. And then Robert had a successful technology job, quit his job after he reached, I don't know, three, 400 students. And now he runs one of our most successful schools. I can't believe that your daughter is at that school. That's so crazy, dude. Yeah. Well, no, because you broke your back, my daughter's doing jujitsu. <laughs> there you go. Because I broke my back, your daughter's doing jujitsu with the most awesome instructor and team of instructors there. And there you go. So this is the whole point. And we never know, uh, Brett, how far the impact of a new connection will take us. That's the beautiful part. When you explore your, the full potential of your connection to the world, you never know where you're going to end up. And that's what I love about that principle. We're going to take a quick break for your words from our sponsors. Wedding season is coming up. And if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. 
a lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. All right, if you have a family, then you need to get term life insurance to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make, and the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. I remember when I was a new dad, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. One of them was, how can I take care of my family when I'm gone, if something happens to me? Well, it's one of the first things I did. I got term life insurance, one of the best decisions I made. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash manliness. That's meetfabric.com slash manliness, M-E-E-T fabric.com slash manliness. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the Masterclass on Negotiation with Chris Voss. And now back to the show. Uh, let's move to another principle, and one is the pyramid principle. So I've noticed the logo on Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, there's a triangle. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's pretty key. So how does the pyramid principle give you the upper hand in a fight? Sure. Yeah, so in Jiu-Jitsu, base is a very important concept. And if you look at a pyramid structure, right, with its solid foundation, it's the most stable structure. It's not going to get tipped over in any direction. This is what we aim to accomplish in jujitsu as well. No matter what position we're in, we always want to spread out our base points, right? Typically three or four points of contact with the surface or the person that we're opposing and, uh, and constantly stable, right? If you have, talk about, you know, if you have a, if you have two, if you have a, uh, let's say someone standing on two feet, they're very pushable in, forward or backwards, right? They might be stable from side to side if you spread your base out, but you're pushable, you're, you're off balance forward to back. Where when you add a third base point, let's say you put your hand down like a like a, a center in a football game, right? That He has his hand on the ground and two feet on the ground. That person is more connected and more grounded, has a stronger foundation than someone who is standing upright. Same is true if you put two hands on the ground, now you're even more stable. So the pyramid principle essentially translates to life and business in reminding us and encouraging us to build a strong foundation in whatever we're going to do. And you give a lot of examples in the book of how people can create that firm foundation. 
you talk about developing qualities like resilience, confidence, uh, a strong moral compass, because those things, they can serve you well, no matter the situation you find yourself in. But creating a firm foundation could be something like developing an emergency fund, right? So you'll be ready for whatever financial curveball life throws at you. Um, and you also talk about applying the, the pyramid principle in your career or in your business by developing new skills, or if you own a business, developing another, another revenue stream. It's like adding those new skills or those new revenue streams. It's like putting you know, that, that third contact point on the mat. There you go. And, and you know, just a, a general concept of having a strong foundation. Uh, there are no shortage of, uh, you know, um, analogies and hypotheticals and examples that illustrate the importance of that in every industry you can imagine. Um, but it's just, again, in jujitsu, it's critical. And in life and business, those who develop the strongest foundations often have the highest levels and longest lasting success. Now, I've seen this in real life. So sometimes, you know, my daughter will want to grapple with me to show me what she's learning and I'm impressed, like this little nine-year-old girl will put me in this this position, like a, um, a mount position, and I can't move her. I'm this, you know, 200-pound dude who, you know, power lifts, and I can't move because she, she's done something where I, and it's because she's got these different contact points to the ground that gives her the strong foundation. So, I mean, it's legit. It's legit. Yeah, it's amazing what a little body can do with the right leverage, and that's the beauty of jiu-jitsu. Another principle, or two principles are about timing. It's velocity and clock. And I, I like the, the clock principle. You had this great story that goes along with it that applies outside the mat. But how do you use timing in jujitsu in a fight on the mat? Well, what we always say, Brett, is the right move at the wrong time is the wrong move. So it's one thing to learn the steps of a technique, right? You know the right answer. You know the move. You know the steps. You know the technique. Applying that at the wrong time is as good as applying the wrong technique. So timing is literally everything when it comes to jujitsu. I think the same could be said about life, right? Whether you have a product or service, when you're bringing something to market, right? Timing matters. Um, and then just in terms of personal relationships, right? When you choose to have a certain conversation with your significant other or your child, how's their energy? Where is it during the day? So the right conversation at the right time is euphoric. The right conversation at the wrong time is an absolute disaster. We've all been guilty of trying to have the right conversation, but doing it at the wrong time and then paying the price. So I have one extreme example that I think illustrates this principle beautifully. We have a student here who's a psychologist and she said, Henry, I have a student, I have a client rather, that suffers from a very severe case of social anxiety. He's a teenage boy named Shane and the kid suffers from severe social anxiety such that anytime he's going to be in a social situation that he's nervous about, he vomits profusely before going into school or before going anywhere where there's going to be people. He just suffers from that. I think jujitsu would be great for him, the doctor said. And I said, well, great. Bring him in. Send him in. She said, okay, I'll set you up with the mom. I talked to the mom. She's going to bring him on a Thursday. I purposely set it up at a time where there's no one in the building, right? So it'd be less intimidating for him. And at Thursday, classes at four o'clock, I think it was like four, five, four, 10, four, 15. I get a call from the mom. Sorry, Henner, we're not going to make it. I'm like, what? In my mind, I'm thinking it's number one, it's already after four o'clock. Number two, why not? I'm thinking in my mind. So I say, oh, what's, what's going on? She says, well, we're outside in the parking lot, but Shane's not coming in. And I said, so you're outside our building right now? She said, yep. And I said, okay, can I come out and say hi? She said, yes. So I walk out and I get to the car. Mom is standing outside the car and he's sitting inside the back seat on the passenger side, crying profusely, like the most aggressive abdominal cry you've ever heard. And he's, he's bending over every time he cries, he's bending over like hysterical crying. And I say to the mom, can I go inside the, I, I, I mouth it to her. Can I go inside? And she says, yeah, go ahead. She's outside the car standing on the curb, on the sidewalk. I go around the driver's side. I sit in the seat. I get in the car and I sit down. He's crying. Most aggressive cry I've ever heard. And he does this for 20 to 30 minutes. I don't say a word. Just sitting there. Waiting. Depletion principle. Letting him burn it out. Nothing's happening. Just relax. Just watching. Chilling. No judgment. And he finally sits up. He ran out of energy. Ran out of, ran out of steam. He sits up quietly, breathing normal. And I say, what's up, Shane? I'm Henner. What do you like to do for fun? A little off guard by the question. He goes, video games. I said, cool. Tell me more. 
We talk about video games for 15 minutes. And I don't play video games. So I'm just talking about his life. Life is good. Video games. Tell me everything. Finally, we're having a conversation, Brett. And it's totally normal how we're talking. Everything's fine. Like, as if we know each other, we're talking in a very casual, relaxed way. And I feel that, wow, there's a connection here now. We're, we're cool. We're okay. He's here. He's present and he's safe and he knows he's safe. Then I say to him, I said, hey, bro, I know it was hard getting here, but I would like to give you a tour of the facility if you'd let me. Would you come inside with me so I can show you around? Yes. So he gets out of the car. We get out of the car. Mom is following us. We go in the building. And in my mind, Brett, all I'm thinking is, if I do not do jujitsu with this guy today, like do a technique, like get him on the mat, I will never get him back. But if I do get him on the mat and we do do jujitsu, we're going to get him for life. He's in. So I'm giving him this tour and all that's crossing my mind is, how am I going to get this guy to do jujitsu? Because if I ask him, hey, do you want to do jujitsu? What's he going to say? No. And run out of the building. Hysterical probably, right? Like it's going to be a lot for him. So we're walking around and we pass by the, one of the private training rooms, the personal training rooms, which is just an empty room, you know, 12 by 12 feet with mats on all the walls. And I open the door and I step in and I step on the mats without my shoes on, bare feet. I'm stepping on the mats and I say, Shane, check this out. These mats are so soft. Take off your shoes and come check it out. See for yourself. Told his mom, come on in too, mom. She came in. He took off his shoes. He walks in. I close the door. We're on the mat. I say, hey, have a seat. Let's talk for a sec. I sit him down. I lay him down on his back. I get on top of him with his permission. And I say, hey, bro, how would you escape if someone was on top of you like this? He tries a couple different things. Doesn't work. I switch roles. Okay, now let me try with you. He gets on top of me. I escape rather easily. He's like blown away. Like, wow. I'm like, you two, you do it now. He does the move. He's successful. Wow. That was awesome. Let's go again. He does it again. Again, one hour passes. I showed him six or seven different techniques. His mom is sitting in the corner of the room with tears coming down her eyes, not saying a word. And him and I are just enjoying jujitsu together full connection, clock principle, perfectly applied. Patience in the car, right? No rush. And velocity in the school. As I was walking through, when I opened the room and I had my one chance, I took it. Hey, come on in. See how soft these mats are. Got them. Once I got them in the room, got them down with all the love in my heart. Got him down, showed him a technique. I knew he would love it because I've been doing this forever. He falls in love with jujitsu. He continues to be a student of ours. The next time he came back to the school, it only took me 15 minutes to get him out of the car. And the third time, it only took seven minutes. On the second or third visit, he got out of the car. He went to the bathroom. He threw up and then came out, got his gi on and went to the class. You see what I'm saying? But he made it. He pushed through. Got him involved with another instructor here who became his main instructor for several years. He started doing group classes with other students, which was totally unexpected by his mom and his father. And then he ended up graduating high school, moved away, went to college, lived a normal life. Clock principle. Timing is everything. Right. So you got to know when to be patient. But then also, like you said, find those moments where you have to speed things up and take advantage of the moment. Yes, bro. 100%. When it's time to go, go. You got to go. And this is a trait that pretty much every successful entrepreneur has is this balance between knowing when to wait and knowing when to fire right? If you're successful as an entrepreneur, you've had so many encounters where you've had to be careful in your timing. And same goes applied for me, 100%, both as a jujitsu teacher, but also in my other businesses, timing is everything. And the jujitsu teaches us that every day you come to class, when a move doesn't work, when a technique fails in deployment, a physical technique, it's either because you did the move wrong or you did it at the wrong time. It's one or the other. And it's usually very easy to identify which of those two it was. And with that, guess what's happening every time you're doing jujitsu? You're increasing your respect and appreciation for timing in a fight and in life. Now, I love that what you said, that the right move at the wrong time is the wrong move. That's, I think that's great. It has all, all sorts of applications. Another principle is the Kazushi principle. Uh, what does that look like on the mat and outside the mat? Sure. Yeah. Kazushi is the literal breaking of someone's balance. That's what it means literally in Japanese. 
So the implications in jujitsu are, you know, I guess self-explanatory. We're always trying to break the balance, right? If someone has a pyramid principle, they're trying to maintain their balance. Kazushi is the process of trying to destabilize someone else's pyramid, if that makes sense. So now one thing to understand about the Kazushi principle is that you can't break the balance without understanding the balance, if that makes sense. So you must first understand what makes something structurally sound to then be able to efficiently craft a counterattack or a balance-breaking maneuver that would overcome their sound balance, right? That's, the, that's essentially the prerequisite. You can't break the balance that you do not understand. So the Kazushi principle for me, as I consider its life application, I think of all the times where I sought first to understand, then to be understood. Whether it's business negotiations, whether it's damage control in, you know, with the customer service, whether it's marriage or relationship with your parent, child, spouse. If you want to be understood and win someone over to your way of thinking, you must first understand where are they? What constitutes their position right now, their balance, their base? What is the structure on which they're standing? What is the, the ideas and the core beliefs on which their position has been taken? That's really important. Otherwise, if you don't know where they're currently positioned, then your attempt to essentially break their balance, and not even in a negative way, even in a positive way, to, to guide their mentality and guide their beliefs towards one that more effectively, you know, relate to yours. You can't do that unless you know where they're at. And we had a situation here where a mom, a mom named Myra and her daughter, Miranda, Myra brought her daughter in for class. She was, I think, four or five years old, young daughter, first day, first class in jujitsu. And she had a terrible experience. The daughter came in. Nobody noticed that it was her first day. So she got paired up with another girl who wasn't a great partner. And the mom was sweating bullets on the sidelines and was very frustrated that no one was there. And basically everything we could have done wrong that first day, we did wrong. And I'm, I can say that confidently because we don't do those mistakes anymore. And we actually run an incredible business and kids program. It's one of our most successful programs. But that day, the instructor who was teaching let the ball drop. And as a result, this new little girl who was in the class, Miranda, um, had a negative experience. The mom went on Yelp and just shredded us with a one-star Yelp review, okay? So when I see this Yelp, I wasn't at the class. I didn't know the class was happening. I didn't know she was in it. I didn't know anything about it. I just saw the review. So when I saw that, I said, hey, I need to call this mom. So I got the phone number from our reception staff. I called the mom and I said, Myra, this is Henner from Gracie University. We had never even met because it was after her first class and I wasn't there. I said, I understand that you had a, a less than favorable introductory experience for your daughter. And I'd like to know about what happened from your perspective. Well, well, you know, um, um, well, thank you for calling. And well, I didn't expect someone to call me, but yeah, I, I'm happy to share my experience. Already she was caught off guard by my approach and by the fact that I truly wanted to understand where she was at before proposing any solutions or resolution to this. Forget all of that. Where are you and what happened and how do you feel about it? Started with her. And I'll tell you, Brett, she opened up big time on her feelings, on what she perceived to be wrong with how the class was administered. Everything you could imagine she shared with me. And when she was done spilling everything, and she was not sharing this stuff with anger in her voice. She was sharing it as a concerned mother and someone who really wanted to provide profound feedback so that this wouldn't happen to other families. And I really appreciated that perspective. And I think her energy was matching of mine. I was inquisitive because I wanted to learn and grow from this. So at the end, I said, Myra, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share your thoughts on this experience. And because you're sharing it, this will never happen to any other kid ever. Already after reading this, I've gotten ideas for how I want to change how classes are administered. So this never happens again. I said, but more importantly for right now, I feel like because of our mistakes, your daughter, who you wanted to empower with jujitsu, didn't get the introduction to jujitsu that she deserved. And that's the saddest part of all of this. What I propose, if you'll accept it, is that I would like to give your daughter a one-on-one -on -one personal introduction to jujitsu 
so that she can get the introduction she deserves and that you wanted for her. We can do that. And if you would like to join her in the class, you're absolutely permitted to do that. I would be the one teaching the class. So I would love to have both there if you would be willing. And she said, Henner, I can't believe it. This is so kind. I appreciate it. Of course, we would love that. In fact, the reason I brought my daughter is because I always wanted to do jujitsu, but I never was able to when I was younger. So now that I'm a mom and I can afford to bring her, I'm bringing her because I was never able to. So I would love to do the class. And that's amazing. You're so kind. So we did the class and I brought one of my assistant instructors, Bobby, a female instructor of ours, into the class with me. So we taught two of us with two of them, had the best time. And at the end of the class, I said, you guys, how did you like it? Oh my God, this was amazing. We want to keep going. This is amazing. I said, here's what I'd like to do. I would like to sponsor your month, a full month of private classes with Bobby so that you guys can get off on the right start here and build the solid foundation of the basics in a personal one-on-one setting. And then after that, if you want to go back and do the group classes with all the changes we've implemented, you're going to love them. You're going to do great. But I think classes with Bobby would be a great start. They did that. They loved it. And they continued training and life went on. And it turned a one-star Yelp review into a five-star Yelp review and they turned into lifelong customers. So you threw that mom off balance by responding and you did it. You responded really positively or politely to her, to her negative review. Because nobody expects to have their negative review responded to, let alone responded to in such a positive manner. So, you know, you threw her expectations off. And then in doing so, uh, you managed to turn something negative for your business and for this person into something positive. As you're describing that, it seems like you did the Kazushi principle with Shane as well, right? Like he had a foundation. It might've been maladaptive, Mm -hmm, but it was mm -hmm. working for him. And you had to figure out like, where's this guy at? Mm -hmm. So that you could put them off balance in a positive way and get them on the mat. I think and so. And it, it seems like this Kazushi principle and the clock principle are connected. Imagine in jujitsu, you have to maybe spend some time to figure out what's this guy doing? Where's he at? What's he got going on in this, this space so that I can put him off balance? And that happens in life too. Sometimes I mean, with this, uh, this mother and daughter, it took some time. Like you had to use that clock principle so that you could get her off balance. Yes, 100%. And you're totally right in that many of these principles, um, they coexist and they're applied side by side. And sometimes one technique will have four or five principles applied to it. That's important to understand, right? Principles aren't techniques. Techniques are techniques. Principles are principles. And one technique may consist of three, five principles in the same exact technique. And you're totally right that there may be some some degree of Kazushi in you know, dealing with Shane and there may be some degree of the clock and and velocity principle in how I dealt with um, Myra and Miranda, totally hundred percent. And there's many of those, these stories in the book where we kind of highlight the main principle, but yes, just like you're doing now, automatically you start making your own connections and going, wow, that story also included sprinkled elements of these three other principles. And when you start thinking about it in that way, you've become the principles of jujitsu. All right, so let's talk about one more principle, and that's the river principle. What does this look like? Sure. Yeah, the river principle is great. When the water is flowing down the river and the rock presents itself, the water doesn't bother with where the rock is. It simply flows where the rock is not. In jujitsu, this is so important because so often, Brett, Precisely what you have planned to do to your opponent is neutralized by the fact that they see it coming and they change their behavior to prevent your technique from being effective. And when that obstacle is presented, you have two choices. One is to confront that obstacle head on, clashing with it and try to overcome it with brute force, which is inefficient and easily uh, preventable. Or... When the obstacle presents itself, the immediate question should surface of, okay, great. One door closes, the other one opens. Where's the opportunity in adversity right now? That's it. And if you think about, you know, people, organizations, nations, why is it that some people struggle and drown when faced with adversity, right? When we talk about a personal 
obstacle, uh, an organizational setback, or a national health crisis like COVID? Why is it that some organizations kind of suffer and drown while other organizations flourish and thrive when presented with the very same obstacle? Why is that the case? Because the individuals and organizations and, and nations that thrive tend to focus on what is the opportunity in that adversity instead of focusing on the obstacle in that adversity. In jujitsu, this is something I do every single day. When something doesn't work, right away, my first question is, well, what opportunity is now available as a result of this previous opportunity no longer being available? That's it. That's the first question. And it's not even a conscious question. It's a subconscious response to an obstacle. So what a beautiful concept to have learned and to reinforce in every day of practice on the mat, but even more so for life and business. Yeah, I think we've all experienced the river principle in our lives at some point. I know I have. Like when I, I have those moments where I hit some obstacle or challenge and my initial response is just to like bang my head against the thing over and over again, thinking that my increased efforts will solve the problem. But I just end up just beating myself down. And when I learn how to adapt to the obstacle, that's when I start making progress again. And an example from my own life here is like, I'm, I used to be really serious about powerlifting. It was my passion. I was supremely dedicated to it. But a few years ago, I started having some injuries just from getting old and things like that. And my initial response was I had to figure out how to make my regular powerlifting routine work. And I tried and I tried and it just ended up caused me to just be frustrated. I eventually realized I got to adapt to my new circumstance. So I've modified my training. I've, I'm doing different lifts, but I'm still training for overall strength. Well, Henry Gracie, this has been a great conversation. Where can people go to learn more about the book and your work? So the book, it publishes on August 22nd and is available everywhere books are sold. If you want to watch the introduction to the book, you can go to a website, the32principles.com forward slash book. The32principles.com. 32 spelt out as a number, not with the words or the letters. And you'll see the uh, video. You can watch the introduction. You can read the forward. Uh, Jocko Willink, the Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL and entrepreneur, author extraordinaire, was kind enough to do the forward for the book uh, as a jiu-jitsu, avid jiu-jitsu practitioner himself. And then, of course, there's links there to all the different platforms where you can easily purchase the book. And um, I love it, you guys. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here, Brett. Uh, congrats on all the success over all these years. It's been great to watch you guys grow as well. So thank you for the opportunity, Brett. Well, Henry Gracie, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. My guest today is Henry Gracie. He's the author of the book, The 32 Principles. It's available on amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. You can find more information about the book at the website, the32principles.com. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash bjjprinciples, where you find links to resources where you delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the AOM Podcast. Make sure to check out our website at artofmanliness.com where you find our podcast archives as well as thousands of articles that we've written over the years about pretty much anything you think of. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on a podcast or Spotify. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think we get something out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, it's Brett McKay reminding you to listen to the AOM Podcast, but put what you've heard into action.